Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I believe with every fiber of my being that the course I have set out is the right one for our country and all our people. What has been achieved today is not Brexit. I don't believe this government has negotiated fairly or effectively. Brexit is a lose-lose situation. We have always followed the EU mandate. It is utterly unacceptable to anybody who believes in democracy. Hello and welcome to Brexit The Final Countdown and welcome back to our humble podcast. I'm Rebecca Hudson and this week I'm joined by activist, politician, author, reality TV star, sorry I had to mention it, uh, and broadcaster George Galloway. Hello. Hi, good to be here. Looking resplendent in how many trilbies do you have? I actually only have one. Oh, really? Uh, So that's a bit of a problem. Very eco uh, of you though. No, it's not that. I'm not doing a... (laughs) Uh, well, he keeps Joachim uh, Phoenix. Phoenix yeah. no, I, I do wear extra tuxedos. Okay. But uh, <laughs> uh, no, my hats come from Lisbon, and it's not as easy to get over to Lisbon no, as it is to no. pop down Camden. Uh, and so I've currently only got one, which uh, is a slight problem when it rains. <laughs> it's iconic, though. It's it's, <laughs> it's you. your thing. We have airstrikes, we've got Brexit, we have a Labour leadership contest, we have a US election, we maybe have Scottish independence this year. Um, just a few things in store for us. And with 23 days away, Brexit just 23 days away, we've got plenty to discuss. We've woken up this morning to the news that Iran has responded to Friday's US assassination of Qasem Soleimani, uh, the widely widely considered to be one of the most senior military figures in the Middle East. Um, Iran has fired more than 20 ballistic missiles at air bases, uh, housing US and UK troops in Iraq. What do you make of all this? Well, of course, uh, as the Irishman uh, famously said when asked the road to Dublin, I wouldn't have started from here. Uh, (laughs) I uh, was one of the leading opponents of the Iraq war mm. uh, in uh, in 2003. And if there had been no Iraq war, then none of this would be happening. Right. Uh, it's important to make that point, especially to younger people as yourself, uh, because it's... I took a day off from work in, at school in 2003 to go on the uh, Stop the Walkover for from March. Good Well yeah. done. Yeah. Well done. Uh, it Didn't is, do much good, though. It is, uh, <laughs> it, it is a truism, though, in the... British media to imagine that the clock started ticking when they turned up for the latest episode. (laughs) Uh, But of course, uh, history makes the future. Mm. Uh, History makes the present. And that history, which is hardly ancient, even you were on the march. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, it's, it's not ancient history, but it's absolutely germane to what has happened. So, What happened is we invaded and destroyed Iraq. Ineluctably, we made Iran, therefore, much more powerful in the region. Uh, We broke Iraq up into pieces. Many of these pieces are now in the Iranian orbit, politically speaking, culturally, religiously speaking. Uh, And therefore, uh, Iran's power in the region has been steadily increasing. Mm. That means that Iran is not any kind of broken-backed 
victim just waiting to be set upon uh, by the United States. Iran is an enormously powerful country, as it showed last night. Mm -hmm. uh, not since the Second World War has a state launched missile attacks on an American military base. Uh, this is uh, quite unprecedented. Uh -huh. Having said all that, uh, the proximate issue you raise seems to have been a carefully calibrated retaliatory strike by Iran. Nobody died. No. Uh, Iran's prestige is enhanced. Its face is somehow saved. And there was no blood on the ground. Therefore, no need for uh, or temptation to Donald Trump to launch a further retaliation. Okay, because you had said that you thought Iran will retaliate, then Trump will retaliate, and that eventually this will bring the kind of global economy to a halt. Yes. And that we won't have a world war, but we'll have a war, at, a well, world at war kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, well, I mean, we mustn't speak too soon because yeah. uh, it's only hours since yeah. this But you are a sage of all occurred. this stuff. Yes, uh, um, and it's not over yet, mm. which would have been the next point I'd make, that uh, Iran has enhanced its prestige, it has saved its face, but it has not avenged uh, the uh, military commander of great note, uh, Qasem Soleimani. It's not any kind of vengeance to rain down missiles on concrete uh, tarmac no. uh, runways. And uh, that will eventually uh, force Iran into further actions. And could this involve um, an attack on Bahrain, which you've suggested before, because it's kind of military, very strategic for the US and the UK. Is that yeah. where you think we're going next? I uh, note that overnight, mm -hmm. good time to bury bad news. Uh, Bahrain executed two uh, Shiite uh, activists in Bahrain, um, a matter of some importance to Iran, which is just across the water. It's as close as the other side of Canary Wharf uh, is uh, from here. Uh, and uh, Bahrain is very much in the crosshairs because it has, if you like, the perfect storm. Uh, it is a tiny uh, Sunni monarchy with no support amongst Bahrainis of, who are overwhelmingly Shiite. Mm. Uh, it exists only because Saudi Arabia uh, facilitates that. It's just across a causeway, literally a walking bridge, a driving bridge, uh, from from Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia keeps it afloat financially and militarily. And the U.S. Fifth Fleet and the British naval yeah, assets a new one. Yeah. are all there. Mm. So if you were looking at it strategically, you'd say one attack on one small place about the size of a large car park uh, would, uh, would hit all these... Belligerent, yeah, it's a great in, uh, proxy in, for... in, in one go, right? However, overnight, uh, Iran threatened to uh, attack Dubai, yeah. Uh, Where are and, all those Tawi people going to go on holiday, yes, right? Uh, and I was actually receiving calls in the LARs from people asking what my advice was should they be holidaying in, 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 Dubai? in Dubai? What was your advice? Don't go, don't go, definitely not go. Do you I think mean, we, do quite you think it's apart possible? from uh, from all. Uh, military action. You saw what happened to the Ukrainian uh, airliner right. last night. Yeah, I find it very difficult to believe that that airliner merely crashed. Uh, it seems much more likely to me that it's somehow collateral damage right. in the fighting last night. 
what an airliner with passengers was doing, taking off from Quite, Tehran yeah. in the middle of all this. You really have to yeah. beggar's belief. Well, I think Iran have refused to hand over the black boxes from yes, the wreckage, which is a pretty good sign. A pretty good sign that. Uh, this was Iranian anti-aircraft fire. I'm pretty sure it was. So do you subscribe at all to the kind of very cynical theory that this is just Trump electioneering and that he's looking for a war bounce to take him into November 2020 when he goes up against Joe Biden or whoever he's going Terrifically to face? Terrifically ill-judged, if so, because... It wouldn't be unlike uh, him, though. No. Um, wagging the dog is a traditional uh, American pastime. Yeah. Bill Clinton did it. Mm -hmm. Bill Clinton killed a good friend of mine, the finest woman painter in the Arab world, Leila Al-Athar. He dropped a cruise missile down her chimney to detract attention from a stain on his girlfriend's dress. Uh, it's uh, it's a well-tried practice, mm -hmm. but it's tremendously ill-judged in this case because this is not a popular war in America. No. And in fact, Trump has just handed the U.S. Senate, very considerably more weighty reasons to impeach him than they had already. Okay. Russiagate, Ukrainegate was one thing, but bringing the world to the brink of World War III by what Nancy Pelosi called last night a blatant provocation, mm -hmm. i.e. the killing of Soleimani, uh, is not likely to win votes. It's much more likely to lose them, mm. even if he gets to the election in November, okay. i.e. is not impeached before, before then. What do you think of the British response? Obviously, Boris Johnson didn't come back from the Caribbean island of Mustique early, and it took him 68 hours to issue a statement. And we've had the very capable Dominic Raab sort of wringing his wrists over it. <laughs> what do you think? Have we <laughs> make you proud I'm, to I'm, hang out with I'm the I'm actually team? astounded, not just at his insouciance, which is his trademark, mm. but at the virtual silence of the British media uh, over such behavior. Yeah. Can you imagine... I know it's quite a leap. Uh, if Jeremy Corbyn had <laughs> been the prime minister, sunning himself, yeah. I don't know, on a beach in Bulgaria, <laughs> uh, which is more likely more than Moustique, yeah. more him. Uh, uh, and such an international crisis was developing, and he was still on the quite sun lounger. with his girlfriend. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, latest. Mm. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's astounding that this has been given such a free pass uh, by the British media, and it doesn't augur well. First, because uh, I know your tongue must have been in your cheek when you described Dominic Raab as very capable, uh, because in, apart from anything else, he doesn't know where the Persian Gulf is. This is a man so <laughs> geographically challenged that he might send the Royal Navy to the South Atlantic yeah. instead. I only just realised that we relied on Calais, I think, wasn't it, quite recently? Quite. How uh, close we uh, went to he, Calais. Uh, he's an astoundingly ignorant man. I've no <laughs> doubt he has other talents, but foreign affairs uh, are not, not among one. them. I'd agree. Uh, so I'm amazed at the performance of, uh, of uh, Boris Johnson. It's easy to mix them up. Mm. Uh, but I'm even more amazed at the free pass the media has given them. Yeah. What do you? What What would you like to see them both do? Well, if I was Prime Minister, I'd I'd be flying to Tehran. I'd be uh, of offering course you would, myself though, <laughs> as a as a mediator. Right. Uh, because heaven knows. We need a mediator, yeah. uh, or this is going to spiral literally out of control uh -huh. and in an incalculable way. Uh, so I would, yes, uh, you know, Britain 
is now an independent country. We'll come to that, I'm sure, uh-huh. uh, or will be in in a matter of days. Twenty three. Uh, and uh, and uh, Boris Johnson has traction with Donald Trump, with the United States, uh, and is not as toxic as the United States or several other potential mm. actors. So if, if I were Boris Johnson, not least because we have a hapless, poor woman prisoner in Quite. Tehran, not least because of Boris Johnson's slovenliness, yeah. uh, I would myself be offering my, myself as a, as a mediator. But uh, that's perhaps not in his, uh, his uh, armory. Uh, he ought to be convening, causing the convening of the Security Council Yesterday, mm, okay. this minute, uh, because somebody has to try and intervene and bring this situation under control. Mm-hmm. Were you impressed by the response from him, Merkel and Macron, which was kind of a, you know, the kind of non-committal statement about we I urge everyone to de-escalate? Did you think that was kind of an interesting act of sort of reaching well, out I, to the... I, I do think that Germany and France will uh, increasingly distance themselves from the United States, especially if Donald Trump were to continue. Yeah. Uh, Germany and France have real material reasons to worry. Mm-hmm. The United States doesn't take any oil from the Persian Gulf, not from Saudi Arabia, not mm-hmm. from Iran, obviously. It doesn't depend on oil uh, from there at all, but we do. Uh, yeah. The European economy does. Uh, Iranian missiles are never going to reach uh, the United States, but they could very well reach Europe. Uh, the fallout from the war in terms of refugee flow doesn't reach the United States, but it does reach here. And a new war in the Middle East will bring another wave of millions of refugees uh, from North Africa and the Middle East region. Uh, We have real material reasons to be uh, concerned about what's happening there. And I think that Macron and Merkel got that much more right than Boris Johnson, who, as I say, was literally sunbathing at the time. Do you have any sympathy with Boris's position, though, that he's kind of got to stay a bit quiet because we desperately need Trump to give us a wave through a trade deal so that we could all eat chlorinated chicken before we crash out of the EU at the end of the year? Do you have any sort of sympathy with that position? I don't, uh, because that's that and this is this. uh, Is it not all part of one kind of very... It can't be. No? Um, No, because we'll not be eating chlorinated chicken, we'll be eating high munitions if this (laughs) uh, gets out of control. We'll be be eating perhaps poison gas Mm -hmm. uh, if this goes wrong. That's more serious than chlorinated chicken. Let's talk about the Labour Party, if you wouldn't mind. Mm. So you remember from 1987 to 2003, remember that? And then in 2004, you became the leading figure in the Respect Party, and you were the MP for Bethnal Green and Bay, which is where I live and where our producer Jodie lives. Um, sensible ladies. Sensible It's a lovely it's a place, isn't it? Place. Uh, you endorsed Corbyn in 2015, and then you've most recently formed the Workers' Party of Britain, which is a socialist pro-Brexit party with the... Is it a tagline, hard Brexit, hard Labour, or is that just what you have? That was your, one of our taglines, yeah. it's yeah. a good one. Do you have Blame that on your, Is it a sticker on your car or something? She's working on the merchandise right this second, actually. <laughs> We'd like some merch. Um, and so they're having a bit of a, a bit of a tough time, aren't they? A bit of a disastrous result mm. in December. Mm. What did you make of that? You called it a Brexit quake, not a youth quake. Yes, uh, it was uh, entirely predictable and predicted, uh, not least by me. And from the moment that Labour changed its position 
into one of uh, of calling for a second referendum, demanding that people vote again until they get it right, yeah. and abandoning the policy which had worked so well in 2017, which allowed Jeremy Corbyn to score the best Labour result since 1945. Uh, a point worth remembering, Jeremy Corbyn, with a left-wing manifesto, got 40% of the vote just two years ago, mm-hmm. and... Uh, scored the biggest increase in Labour votes since 1945 and Labour's landslide victory then. So uh, you don't have to be Einstein. Uh, This is not rocket science. As soon as Labour became officially the anti-Brexit party, it lost. And it lost uh, a lot in terms of seats. It lost less but still significant in terms of votes I do add, enter this caveat that Jeremy Corbyn on December 12th got more votes than Ed Miliband, than Gordon Brown, and than Tony Blair mm. on the last occasion that he stood for Prime Minister. The Tory vote went up, but only by 1%. But the vagaries of our electoral system, as you know, yeah. uh, produce uh, quite unrepresentative results. For example, the Green Party got one MP for for uh, 850,000 votes. Right, uh, The exactly. Liberals uh, got whatever they got, 12, was it? Yeah. Uh, for uh, their, their, uh, their, their vote per seat ratio was 250,000. Yeah, it's 000. complete, it's hugely uh, the, unfair. The Conservatives got an MP for every 30,000 exactly. votes. So it's the vagaries of our system uh, which have distorted this picture, but... Labour suffered a catastrophic reverse in the Midlands, in the north of England, Mm -hmm. in the west of Wales, in the south of Wales, in what you might call in US terms the Rust Belt areas, the industrial and post-industrial parts of Britain, and caused the literal severance of Labour's connection to the working class. Labour is now a metropolitan, inner-city, university-educated, liberal Mm -hmm. political force. And it has lost the socially conservative, uh, blue-collar, working-class base that the party was founded on and for. And therefore, that has created a gigantic space to its left, if you want to call it left. I don't like the terms left and right because I I always feel that the left has become... uh, associated with liberalism really i'm 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 not remotely liberal i'm as small c conservative a person mm-hmm. as you're ever going to meet on drugs and alcohol and hedonistic lifestyles <laughs> and uh, that's not ab- entirely true abortion <laughs> and euthanasia and crime and punishment mm-hmm. on so-called gender issues you know, uh, transsexual uh, fetish and all that. I'm pretty conservative. Clearly, yeah. But I am real labor. Uh, and so are the millions in the Midlands and the North that have abandoned the Labour Party. That have now elected a, party. a yeah. toffee-nosed Etonian. So who, yes. of this of the of the lineup of candidates to replace Jeremy Corbyn, I think it was probably the right thing that he stepped down, though he did preside over a pretty appalling defeat. Did you, do you agree? Would you like to have seen him hang on? Well, when I see the donkey derby that's lined up to replace him, uh, it, yeah. must be, uh, it, must, <laughs> it must be uh, uh, at least 
moderately persuasive that he should stay on, but he's not going to stay on, so it's an academic point. Yeah. You're asking me which of Who those... Who do you like? Well, none of Who's, them. None, literally. You must have a more fa- no, a least, least no, unfavourite no, donkey. No, I called for Ian Lavery, the former miners' leader mm. uh, from uh, Durham, uh, to stand, and it looked for some days like he might, uh, but he's been prevailed upon to... Uh, Step down in favour of Rebecca Loyerly Bailey. Yeah, uh, ten out of ten. She gave Corbyn last night. She on ITN, may be ITV. the most boring candidate ever to, since John Major, anyway. Uh, to but run. maybe we just need a bit of boring. Well, I, I, I personally don't think she is remotely capable. But she's either a continuity of, of your of, of a Corbyn manifesto that you've seen quite a fan of. Uh, the manifesto, yes, if you yeah. ignore the elephant in the room about Brexit, well, which is a pretty big uh, yeah. elephant. Uh, But no, I I don't think she could tie Corbyn's shoelaces. I don't think she'll win the race. I think she'll be defeated. Okay. And if she were to succeed, she would be annihilated by media hostility, Boris Johnson and the Gatling gun of the Tory Mm -hmm. at 80-seat parliamentary majority. She's not up to the job. Okay, so who, which of the donkeys is gonna is gonna win? Is it Keir Starmer? uh, I think Sir Keir Starmer will win. Sir Keir Starmer, and thus consolidate the phenomenon I've just been talking about. No one could more personify the liberal (laughs) elitism. Well, is he King's Cross and Holborn and King's Cross or something? Yes, yeah. but you'd never find him living in Holborn or <laughs> King's Cross. Uh, no. He's a multimillionaire, knight of the realm, former director of public prosecutions, yeah. a very expensive Queen's Council, mm-hmm. and silk is the operative word. <laughs> this is a man dressed in silk. Yeah. Okay. How? Any enthusiasm for Jess Phillips? <laughs> oh. People love her. She's, you know, great on, great on kind of hot women's issues, outspoken. You have to call her the outspoken MP for, what is she, Yardley South or whatever it's called. She, you, no, not a fan. I honestly think if Long Bailey is the worst candidate yeah. for uh, national political leadership, mm. Jess Phillips is the most stupid. She is oh dear. thick as two planks as her performance with... Piers and Susanna it was bad uh, on uh, uh, GMB uh, this week mm. clearly showed. Yeah, this woman is pig ignorant. <laughs> what did you think about the policy to potentially campaign to rejoin the EU in a few years' time that well, she sort of mentioned on Sunday? Yes, and which she's now struggling to explain because she didn't really mean <laughs> no, it. I don't think but she meant she's it. No, too stupid to know oh, the gosh. import of the. Uh, uh, she's also a deeply dishonest and untruthful person. She was. She was. Uh, she, she lied about Diane Abbott, didn't she? She said that she yeah. told Diane Abbott to f- off, yeah. and she didn't. Yeah. She has dined out for the last few years on having clashed with me on the Brighton seafront mm. when I was filming. But I can say to you, as God is my judge, and may I be struck down dead <laughs> if I'm lying to you. Yeah. I have never spoken to, or been spoken to, or even seen. With my own eyes in real life, <laughs> Jess Phillips. Okay. It is a brazen lie, okay. just like the lie about Diane Damn Abbott. I've, it's not likely to happen, isn't it? I think she's, yeah, she's great on Twitter, but a lot of people are, aren't they? Um, okay, Lisa Nandy is the one who emerged from last night's hustings as the kind of runaway success. Oh, really? Uh, uh, I missed that. I yeah, missed New that. Statesmen are waving their flag for her this morning. I don't know if you're a fan of the New Statesman. Um, being attacked in the New Statesman, said it's George Bernard honor. Shaw, 
is like being slandered in an empty room. There we go. Uh, oh, God. So uh, <laughs> being praised by the new statesman, the corollary is true. <laughs> uh, it's like being praised in an empty room. Okay. Well, okay. So you've mentioned Brexit. You're very excited about Brexit. I am, yes. You've said there'll be a lot more mugs like this on view. I imagine at the time when you said this, you were waving a mug with a flag on it. Yes. A lot some, more bunting. Someone had brought my tea in a uh, during patriotic. my show. In a patriotic cup. But what, what, I got rid of it at the first break. Of course you did. Because I'm not a union, not Jack a union kind, kind of guy. guy. Um, you're predicting a sort of patriotic surge after we leave. Yes, yes. I, I, how, I, I do recon- how do you reconcile being kind of like, I mean, I know you don't like the term left wing, but I, I, we've always found it hard to kind of square a sort of left wing ambition to leave the EU when it comes to things like protection for workers and women and... Actually, there are virtually no protections. I mean, for more than Boris Johnson will probably the, offer. Yes, but that's a different matter. <laughs> and we'll come to that. Uh, the idea that workers and women are protected because we're in the EU is uh, fatuous on two levels. First of all, uh, as many workers have found out, God forbid you should find out this afternoon, mm. uh, your uh, your uh, rights are uh, uh, extremely. Poor. Mm. Uh, and insofar as you have any rights at all, yeah. you almost certainly had them before we joined the EU. And you had them because trade unions were strong. Let your women, mm-hmm. so let me make this point, our maternity provision is better in Britain than it is anywhere else in the EU. Why is that? Because we had it before we were in the EU. Mm. Equal pay for women was introduced uh, by Barbara Castle. Before we joined the Still EU. don't really have it, do we? Uh, no, we still don't really have it, but we legislated for it. And insofar as we're even close to it, and mm. um, we're not that close, that's because of us, because of decisions we made here, not the EU. Uh, so um, you say that, but Tony Benn was the leading Brexiteer in this country for decades. Mm. I know that because... I was at his side or slightly behind him. Uh, In 1975, I was his tea boy Mm. in the original EU referendum. It was my job to hold his tobacco and his pipe and bring him his tea, literally. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mr. Ben, a great socialist leader, was a great Brexiteer. Mm. Uh, So it's a great pity that people imagine that leaving the EU is somehow a right-wing issue. Of course, some right-wing people support it. A lot of right-wing people support it. But that doesn't make it a right-wing issue. If if uh, Nigel Farage uh, says that motor car down there has four wheels, uh, I cannot disagree with that just because Nigel Farage <laughs> said it. Uh, it has four wheels. Mm. Um, and uh, the the reality is the kind of Britain I want cannot be achieved inside the EU. So leaving the EU is a necessary but not sufficient condition for the kind of Britain I want to see. But is the kind of Britain that you want to see a sort of Macau of the English Channel when we have to kind of slash all our business rates and sort of open the kimono to all sorts of gross business interests? Because No, I I would never open my kimono to any (laughs) business interests and neither will I support any government that does. Right. Uh, the, The point, though is we elect our governments. We cannot and did not elect the EU. We couldn't elect them, we couldn't remove them, and we were entirely uh, responsible for any undemocratic decisions that they made. So if we elect a government that will open its kimono, 
Uh, I well, think you have. Well, we'll Boris is notorious for swinging yes, around the pole. But, and but the next election will not be far distant in five years. And bear in mind, we've got a transition period of a year. Mm. So he'll only have four years maximum to open the British kimono. <laughs> uh, it's a wonderful metaphor. I shall use it forever. Uh, the, the, and and if, we, if we elect such a government, we deserve such a government. Mm. But if we elect a different kind of government, then we'll equally deserve that government. We'll okay. get the government we elect. Okay. Um, when we leave the EU at the end of January... Uh, we've obviously gifted Nicola Sturgeon a pretty gen. Well, she did incredibly well in December, didn't she, in the election? We've, and we will gift the SNP a m- mandate to hold a second referendum on independence in Scotland, which I know you're not a huge fan of. Um, but I mean, talk about. I mean, give us. Well, I, I, I'm I'm a fan of referenda because I always win them, uh, <laughs> um, uh, and I'm looking forward to the next Scottish independence referendum. And I predict to you here and now mm. on air. Uh, that the result will be the same as it was last time. In fact, in this very morning's newspapers, Nicola Sturgeon has conceded that the SNP has still yet to make a winning case for independence. And she's right about that. As a matter of fact, Britain leaving the EU makes Scottish independence even more bonkers uh, than uh, than it was Already, Yeah, you've said here, why would you leave a union with whom you have more than 300 years of common experience, language, market for your goods and services? I mean, it's basically what we've done to the EU. Why would we leave a... <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, because we are a small island of English-speaking people. Yeah. With a common history and a common culture, a common language, and common economic interests. Yeah. That's the definition of a nation state. And we had none of these things in common with the European Union. A babble of hundreds of languages, uh, many of whom we fought in the Second World War. Mm. Uh, and and our common economic interests were practically zero. We have no common economic interest with France or Germany, still less with Romania or Slovakia. Uh, our common economic interest uh, between England and Scotland is clear and obvious. Mm. We work for the same employers, we join or should join the same trade unions. We read the same newspapers, preferably the Daily Express. Thank goodness. Uh, we watch the same television, yeah. the same movies, listen to the same radio, and so on. You yeah. really cannot compare one of these unions with the other, not least because our union is a democratic one, the European Union was the antithesis of democracy. Okay, so you don't think... Do you think she'll win the argument to get one out of Westminster? Do you think uh, Boris will cave? No, I doubt it. Uh, Not while we're leaving uh, the EU. And uh, you'd you'd have to go some to persuade even the the Scottish uh, polity that in the middle of all this, we should have uh, an independence referendum. There's a lot going on. Uh, But there will be one eventually. And Scotland has the right to have an independence referendum anytime it likes, from my point of view. Yeah. Um, but there is the law of diminishing returns. Mm. Uh, the more you go to the well, the less there is left to drink. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and I'm absolutely convinced uh, that once people like me get to work making the case uh, that uh, Scotland would be totally devastated by joining the European Union mm-hmm. in all kinds of ways. Uh, if you'll permit me to run through a couple of yeah. them. Uh, first of all, Scotland will have no currency and therefore will 
have to join the euro. That's mm. the law anyway. Uh, but even if the EU were minded to give Scotland a pass on joining the euro, uh, it, uh, Scotland would either have to invent its own currency, the groat, uh, who would uh, <laughs> underwrite that currency, answer nobody, mm -hmm. because Scotland has four times the public sector deficit uh, that, uh, that the European Union rules uh, require. Right. Uh, we mustn't have a deficit, you'll know, uh, according to the fiscal rules, of more than 3% of GDP. Scotland's deficit is 12%. Mm. Therefore, to join the EU, Scotland, whichever currency it was using, would have to decimate, literally cut by three quarters, its deficit. Now, Scotland is already overly dependent on public sector employment, much more than anywhere else in the UK. And therefore, uh, the standard of life of Scottish people would be devastated. But there's another thing. It's often imagined, especially by liberals in England, that Scotland is some kind of cold water Cuba, uh, that Scottish people are just dying for a million Slovakians to show up uh, uh, with uh, exercising their rights of free movement of cheap labor. As someone born, bred, raised in Scotland, I'm here to tell you that's not true. The uh, British uh, survey of uh, social attitudes uh, reports regularly that the attitude to immigration in Scotland is exactly the same as it is in England. So, fact of this, Scotland in the EU, all of Slovakia, I, I choose Slovakia at yeah, random. Yeah, you've, got, you've I, really no, got them in your crosshairs. Uh, yeah, I, let me change the metaphor then. <laughs> all of Romania, all of Bulgaria <laughs> decides to come to Scotland. Mm. Many of them waiting for the chance to get into England, a right which they would no longer have mm. because we had left the EU, uh, kicking their heels in Possil Park. Uh, or in the Gorbals, waiting for a chance to get over a border, which would then have to become a hard border. So here, mm. what are we talking about here? Uh, Scotland leaving Britain and building a wall across the Scottish-England uh, border, because you'd have to have one, wouldn't you? Yeah, if, they're very if, popular. If, 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 uh, if all of, uh, <laughs> all of <laughs> Bulgaria came to Scotland, mm. first of all, that would not be welcomed, I assure you, by the oh, Scottish no, people. I imagine and not. secondly, uh, when you had to build a wall to keep the Bulgarians out of England, uh, you would be building a wall between Scotland and England. Which, yeah. And uh, trust me, no one will vote for that. And who's paying for it? That was that's the Mexicans. Walls, the Mexicans. Get Donald no Trump. And he um, can get the Mexicans. Do you have any concern about the union break? Do you? What about um, a referendum on the island of Ireland for a united Ireland? Do you not think we're sort of inching close into that when we uh, have a not inching? Board? We're rapidly hurtling. Yes. And how do you feel about that? that? Marvelous. Uh, I come from an Irish Catholic background. I have supported a united Ireland all my life, mm -hmm. and I. I believe that, uh, God willing, if I live a normal span uh, in my lifetime, Ireland will be reunited. Mm. And so the cost of Brexit being the breakdown of the 400-year harmonious union we've had, well, it would be Well, it's not been it. remotely uh, I... harmonious. <laughs> no. uh, uh, you're telling an Irish, a person <laughs> of Irish descent that it's been harmonious. But it's a price to pay. In fact, uh, Britain conquered Ireland by blood and iron, mm. uh, divided it, 
by the threat of blood and iron, and it will be peacefully reunited. Hallelujah. Okay, interesting. I have one final question for you, mm. um, which speaks to a very brief moment in your career. But what did you think of Alan Johnson on the ITV Masked Singer contest at the weekend? Did you see him? That he I performed. Didn't. Was that Alan Johnson, the former minister. Alan Johnson, yes. He, he was. He is a mod like myself. Yeah, he performed "Walk Like an Egyptian" while dressed as a pharaoh. And I just wondered if you had any ambitions I, to return to uh, no primetime telly. Although I am not a bad singer, I'm I, to I don't. I, I you doubt it. You can go it. to YouTube and see some of my. What singing. would be your song that you perform? Uh, it would be a Bob Dylan song, probably. Oh no, it has tangled to be like more uplifting. Not tangled up in blue is a masterpiece, or actually the greatest Bob Dylan track and currently is the one that won the Oscar called Things Have Changed and that would be quite Present. a useful uh, <laughs> um, title. That's what you can uh, come out to at your rallies. Have, uh, changed. No, I didn't see that. Uh, you, it's uh, worth a watch, but YouTuber. I, I'm not surprised because Alan Johnson was, as I say, a mod in Notting Hill in the 60s <laughs> uh, and uh, if he performed uh, credibly, well, I'm pleased for him. Brilliant. It's been a rare and distinct pleasure. Thank you very much for coming. Pleasure's all mine. Thank, Thank you. you very Thank much. Thank you. Well done for making it to the end of an episode of Brexit The Final Countdown. If you're still enjoying the countdown, you can subscribe for free. And if you're really enjoying the countdown, you can also leave us a review.